This is a Rooster Teeth production. Welcome to a very special bonus episode of The Real Canon, a new pod about the genre pop culture we all live, breathe, and help make happen in real time. I'm Charles Pulliam Moore, writer for io9, and a pretty open fan of WandaVision, who just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know that. And I'm John Reisinger, content creator and producer of Roosty Productions and a practitioner of chaotic dad magic. Uh, today, we're making this extra episode of the show to bring everyone up to speed on WandaVision before the release of the season finale that's coming this Friday, March 5th. Um, we have watched episodes one through eight yeah. with... Uh, uh, heightened anticipation and we're almost here at the end and I'm excited for it and also I don't want it to go away <laughs> yeah we're like we're gonna do a big breakdown of the series as a whole but we wanted to just get everybody sort of caught up ahead of the finale um just in preparation because from the looks of things especially after watching this most recent episode the finale is going to be both like bigger and wilder than everything that we've seen up to this point yeah yeah we can we'll we'll get through like uh let's walk through some of the old episodes pretty quickly so then we could talk a little bit about the latest one episode eight since it seems like there's a good amount we could talk about that to to brace everyone for episode nine but as everyone remembers we were we you know the first few episodes were all based in in decade uh you know sectioned genres of tv where Mm. one and vision are living in this uh, reality that we weren't quite sure what it was at the time and we're later finding out that it was, you know, uh, this hex that Wanda had created. But, you know, early on, we got uh, some notions of Wanda and Vision are, you know, Vision's back alive. Wanda and him are are living together in a home and doing, you know, sitcom you know, basic. I almost said basic bitch stuff, but I don't know if I want to say that. Um, no, it's not. I, I, I'm definitely going to push back on that because like no, those first, they weren't. They those, weren't. those first couple of episodes, specifically the ones that were set in the 50s and the 60s and modeled after shows like the Dick Van Dyke show and Bewitched. What I think um, that basicness that you're picking up on is a throwback to a very particular kind of domesticity and American dream. There's that, the word. Right. That Wanda is clearly um, longing for in a really sort of like twisted yeah. way. It's, you know. it's 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 to, to you know to to use a little bit of what we found out in the latest episode it was a way it was clearly a way for Wanda to uh mimic what quote unquote a real family was with the la- the latest person and the only person who had ever been like a family she had created together which was Vision and so they she, they had made a home together um and we get First inklings of like somebody watching them with uh, the the TV set at the end of episode one with the sword logo. Um, in episode two, we also get the sword uh, helicopter toy. That's the only thing in color in these first two episodes that were completely black and white. <laughs> as well as uh, uh, Wanda has a, a accident with glass and and her blood is red. And I I, th- I think that's bec- I, I would assume the blood was red because. Uh, violence and pain mm-hmm. and and you know actual you know physical damage was not part of this reality that Wanda had created so i mean you're kind of blowing through a lot here i think the big takeaway from the first goodness i want to say the first three episodes uh the first three that show you that transition from black and white into color 
Um, what you are seeing is a lot of Wanda settling into her life in Westview that she's just been dropped into with no explanation whatsoever. Mm. And as normal as things are for us um, as an audience and for her who are familiar with these kinds of like sitcom environments, um, the strangeness that we are immediately clued into is like, girl, like you don't belong here. None of this is right. And you do begin to see the ways in which she is sort of being clued into this with things like her incident with Dottie, um, the sort of like neighborhood queen bee who kind of comes for Wanda um, in that, you know, that really sort of devastating scene at the pool party where um, there, as there's a transmission coming through the radio, um, Dottie is also really questioning, like, I know who you are. I know what your, your husband is. And it's one of the first signs that the people who are living in Westview, who are trapped in this reality, are not wholly unaware of the strangeness of it all. Yeah. You know, in, you know, in looking back on it in retrospect, what's really sort of chilling is that Wanda and Vision, at least initially, seem to be the people most committed to playing up the the falseness of everything and ignoring everything that's wrong. Whereas when you start to pay attention to these supporting characters, um, like uh, Vision's boss and Vision's Bob, Vision's boss's wife. You start to see these things where it's like somewhere deep down inside, they're all in like pain and fear and agony. Yeah. And what we've seen, you know, what we really sort of began to see in episode four, um, that really big episode that introduced us not just to Monica Rambeau, but introduced us to previous moments in her life that were like a big deal. Like when she came back from the blip, that's when you really got these big weighty drops about like, oh, no, no, no. The people living in Westview are scared for their lives because as best as they can tell, they're being possessed by Wanda Maximoff. Very similar to the way that she possessed everyone in Sokovia back in Avengers Age of Ultron. Yeah, which is really going to be an interesting um, concept to unravel at the end of this one. I assume this hex has to come down eventually. And considering Wanda's history with what happened in Civil War, mm. where she was blamed for a terrorist incident, essentially, mm -hmm. Um, like the world's already scared of Wanda. And then, you know, I don't, I don't know if she necessarily like, you know, won back. She had to have win back some favor with her, uh, participation in infinity war and end game. Mm. Um, but then she's done this again. And, and these people are going to come out of this, um, understandably and concerned. Yeah. And like, yeah. there's a, there's a lot of, that's a lot of the same energy that's in the comics that sort of gets into people being scared of the scarlet witch um because of the way that she's truly like rewritten reality itself for the sure. world over and and the, the comics haven't really done a great job of dealing with the aftermath but the basics it's like people are scared of you wanda because of what you did it makes sense here um the story is a little smaller just in terms of scale but that perspective of oh well is wanda really culpable is she also a victim here comes in the form of monica if you look back at like when um, tiana paris was first announced as being cast in the show there's a lot of confusion as to why monica rambeau was being made a part of this story because in the comics monica rambeau you know she exists within captain marvel's orbit she's more yeah. of a space adventurer um they've interacted scarlet witch and um, monica who's been known as captain marvel in spectrum they've interacted in in the past but they're not really known for being buddy buddy here, Monica, who comes back as one of the people who was vanished by Thanos in the snap, you know, she comes back and immediately gets right back into the groove of working for S.W.O.R.D. And she understands, like everyone else in the organization, that what's happening in Westview with the Hex is dangerous, you know, and something to be concerned about. But because she's one of the first people who is actually sucked into the Hex um, and has experiences with Wanda and then is able to, you know, essentially make it out after things go wrong and Wanda is just like, oh, you don't belong here. 
Monica is the person who really is like, listen, there's something off here. Um, not just because, not, not just because of her face-to-face -face interaction, but because she's like, no, you guys remember how, yeah, she used to work with Hydra, but she saved right. the world multiple times. And right. even though she's been through all of these, all of this, this, this trauma because of what we've all been going through lately, which is it's interesting because the show has been kind of, uh, mysterious about how much everyone knows about what went down in the past two movies. But at the very least, Monica's like, it wouldn't really just make sense that she would have snapped for no reason. Let's yeah. try to push back on this somewhat. And what's fascinating yeah. about this is that WandaVision has ended up really being Monica's origin story as well. And the kinds of like tribulations that she's faced. It's been a lot of, you know, governmental bureaucracy, people challenging her opinion, but also within the hex, you know, herself, where she's been, you know, Geraldine Wanda's, uh, you know, her funky friend from the 70s who just wants to tell her about what's going on with her job situation. Wanda's also been kind of adversarial towards her, you know, beyond just like making her you know, beyond just like flinging her out, she's been like, you don't belong here. Like, you're not my yeah. family. And Monica's like, listen, that was rude, but I'm still going to be here to help, you know, fight for you. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the the typical miscommunication that comes from sitcoms where actually mm. Monica, Monica makes that statement where Hayward is trying to like, you know, uh, uh, you know, basically solve this with a gun. Right. Um, and but Monica is like, well, if Wanda is the problem, then she's also the solution. And so she's actually trying to help all right. along the way. Right. But then all that Wanda keeps seeing is intrusions into this this world that is clearly fragile because mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. she sees cracks, you know, like the beekeeper shows up and she hits the rewind button on him because she's like, no, I'm not done. You're not taking this from me. Um, and so she's she's prepped to not want anything outside to influence this clearly fragile and, and strange world she's in, but that a world where she feels happy, you know, for the first time in forever. And so Monica might be coming in with the best of intentions throughout the whole show with her, her first entrance, mm. you know, even, even though she was stuck in there and she was, she, but when she kind of had some of her facets and had this conversation with, with Wanda in episode three, mm. um, she's trying to like, actually connect with Wanda on Pietro's death and what she had to go through with Ultron and everything like that. Yeah, what you said and about then, like the fragility of Wanda's reality, it's interesting that like that is very true, but at the same time, there's a line that Monica says while she is helping Wanda deliver her babies, right? At the point, uh, at that point in the episode, everyone's convinced that it's just like a magical hysterical pregnancy. It's like, all right, we get how you can possess living people, but you're not gonna be able to give birth to babies that don't exist. And yeah. Wanda says something to the effect, like, I can't do this. And at the time, it was like, is she talk? Is she being honest with uh, Geraldine mm. about like, oh, I know that what I'm doing here is wrong and I'm not supposed to be doing this? Or was that just Wanda in character within WandaVision sort of saying the kinds of things that sitcom moms who were in the midst of labor when their husbands are, you know, halfway across town, I can't do this on my own. And Monica's like, no, you can and it very much felt like uh, an acknowledgement, like, listen, girl, I don't know what this is. I don't know what's going to pop out of you, but we can get through this if we just work through it. What else, like what ultimately comes out of Wanda, like the twins, like they've been this wild mystery because they are for all like from from all appearances, they are these very powerful beings who have their own like have powers in their own right, are able to will themselves up in age, seemingly independent of Wanda. Yeah. Um, which I bring that up because like, while like the reality is fragile, I'm fascinated by this idea that the things happening in Westview, but the things happening with Wanda's family specifically are almost like her subconscious acting like, goodness, uh, like an immune system, right? Yeah. It's like if, and when things come into the hex, 
you know, she can feel them and she can interact with them. I mean, as the season goes on, she interacts with them much more explicitly. But I think that there's a possibility that the kids are just her being like, listen, basically you're little me and little Pietro, be happy the way that we never could. Also, when the bad people come in, fuck them up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that escalates further and further as the episodes go on and, and uh, uh, you know, more intrusions happen. Sword sends the, the 1980s drone into the world to try to, uh, you know. Just blow her up. Blow her up. Um, and that's when we get like Wanda pulling the veil back completely. I mean, she did. She she exits the hex. And it honestly like that screwed everybody. I remember watching it and being like, oh, no, she's like she pulled a whole Magneto and was like, all right, let me hit the pause button real quick and step outside my fun house to let these people know that if they come back in, I will murder all of them. And it's like, yeah. oh, shit. Well, if that's how you feel, girl, you can't blame everyone for being like, we need to do something about this woman in New Jersey. Yeah, it's definitely kind of setting Wanda up to be a villain, a villain. That's and, and, and that's and, and that's what Wanda is sometimes in the comics. Like she yeah. likes in House of M, she's the villain. And then after House of M, she's the villain. She kills almost all the mutants. Yes, you know, that's but at the does. same time, like she's the she is the I, 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 I disagree. I don't think she's the villain. She is the arbiter of like a villain's will right she is she is the embodiment of villainous consequences that she was made part of against her will um, so she's chaotic neutral in the D campaign is that uh, what it is sure let's call it that right it's like wanda left to her own devices if the high evolutionary and magneto and everybody else had left her and pietro alone back in wanda gore they would have grown up just fine i mean they would have been persecuted for being like different but you know yeah. they would not have become pariahs the way that they are in marvel's comics now what wandavision is doing is making how to put it is putting much more onus on her shoulders and also playing with the idea not of just like whole on reality warping like wanda even though she is reshaping matter right the episode as specifically as we jump back to sword observing her they're like oh no the amount like she has to be throwing off massive amounts of power to rewrite matter this way um, so she is reshaping reality in that sense. But the show is also playing with this idea that reality is a matter of perception. Um, reality is what you make of it. And Wanda, as someone whose basic powers are telekinesis and telepathy, she has been in like this prime position to sort of twist things to her will as, you know, as much as she can in situations that she needs. We don't really get into all of that until much later in the series. But the first thing mm -hmm. that we're like, we need to talk, we would remiss in not talking about the first like big cameo uh, comes in the form of Pietro portrayed by Evan Peters, um, who shows up um, in sitcom fashion, like a dirtbag uncle, like, Hey, what's going on? And Wanda's like, I don't know who this man is, but you know, very sitcom. -y. She it's, 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 she, she, she clearly doesn't understand. We're at this point in the show where she like, she doesn't understand how this is happening. But she likes that it's happening, like the whole the whole reality and world where vision is alive. And we've seen she that she is in some degree of control of things. Right. But this throws her. Yeah, it does. Because she like even the babies throw her. And so she's she's she understands that there are parts of this that she doesn't have control over. So she rolls with the Pietro recast because it kind of goes in line with some of this weirdness. But then she even like starts questioning Pietro. She's trying to figure out like, is this actually Pietro? Uh and the Pietra edition is going to be, I mean, like how they're going to resolve that is going to be waves that are going to go be well beyond WandaVision. 
I mean, I think that the thing that really sort of got lost in the conversation when the when that episode initially dropped was that WandaVision is telling jokes on multiple levels, right? Both within the context of the show for the characters and jokes within the show that are obviously meant to be winks and nods and jabs at us, the audience, right? Casting Evan Peters as Quicksilver is obviously a nod to the fact that Evan Peters played Pietro in the Fox films, the Fox films that are technically no longer considered canon as Fox has been subsumed by Disney, right? But Mm -hmm. Disney being the company that it is, it's like, well, let's have a fun joke. Let's have a fun sitcom joke by recasting Pietro. It's literally something that Darcy mentions within the episode. Um, And this obviously got the fandom up in arms like, oh my God, they're going to do mutants. They're going to do mutants. And they could. But I think to get wrapped up in the mutant hype was to really lose sight of what WandaVision is trying to do, which is tell a story about Wanda and the people who were close to her, someone that we really haven't talked about all that much yet. And I really want to hit on, um, we have to talk about Paul Bettany and vision, right? Because as, as confused and twisted as everyone is, and mind you, vision is also very out of sorts throughout most of this. You do see that the two of them, no matter what is going on, the love that they have for one another is very deep and genuine. And the kind of thing that makes them gravitate towards one another in the midst of chaos. Yeah, they're they're a real couple throughout this whole thing, even to the to the point where, you know, later on in like uh, episodes like six and seven, you know, Vision is starting to, you know, wanting starting to explore what's going on here because he he's seen that there's that this isn't real to a degree. Like, and as a synthesoid, whatever is going on, you can tell that like his not being a human does make him somewhat resistant to it. He's like, well, sure, you told my or partially organic self that this is the date but my onboard computer says that it's not so right but what i was what what i love is that it it's at no point does he stop being her husband exactly he's like listen girl like this is weird but i love you and we're here together and if it ever gets dangerous i'll protect you um you see that in the way the two of them protect other people in the in the town uh, there was a lot of buzz like, oh, there's not, there's not, not buzz. There was a lot of critiques like, oh, there's not a lot happening in the early episodes. When Vision's uh, boss starts choking on, I don't know, beef or whatever, and the two of them like spring into action, sure, it's just getting something out of someone's throat and stopping them from choking to death. But like that's superheroism. And it's kind of yeah. like, that's that first little glimpse that, oh, even in the midst of all of this, at a moment's notice, the two of them are ready to be like those people, those Avengers who they've tried to get away from, but it's still a part of who they are. And and he's also very cautious in what he does to solve this Rubik's cube that he is living inside of because mm. he, he he you know he obviously finds out that he has this power to be able to kind of snap people out of this mm-hmm. this this uh this hex, but he doesn't just go you know crazy about it and just release everybody because you know he's not he's not fully just like a lawful good person who's just no gonna be like, and no he does, this is wrong when he sets he, norm he, free he sees how terrified he is and he's like oh dude this is gonna work i'm sorry i gotta put you back under for your own good yeah because he wa- he also wants to save wanda along the way he, mm-hmm. he he knows that you know his wife is broken and 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 going through things right now and He's been that connection with her from the beginning, even like the little the little uh, uh, flashback that we got today's episode of him sitting down with her to even just try to discuss, you know, processing Pietro's death. Mm. Like that's been and and then in Civil War, when he tries to make her food in an instance where he knows (laughs) that she is she is basically on house arrest like vision wants 
has has a severe drive to constantly protect and take care of Wanda, and that hasn't even gone away in this instance. I goodness, let's like let's break into these last two episodes. Um, and I want to I want to pivot to them by taking a quick second to talk about the music in this show. Um, it's so good. <laughs> the music in the show is so fantastic. Uh, comes from the uh, the creative team who's responsible for um, Frozen's soundtrack, and you know it's looking back on it, everything. God, they make earbuds. That's all they, they do. They, they, they do. They, they write catchy ass songs, and like looking back at Wandavision as a whole now and listening to it because a lot of the soundtrack is streaming. All of it revolves around this four note late motif that you know like syllabically hits like Wanda vision and it's like okay sure but they've managed to turn that theme into every conceivable kind of sitcom um, <laughs> theme song that you can think of um little jingles in commercials and most recently like I, I I feel like as much as I love the bewitch nod Agatha all along is a banger of a song like a it's, true banger yeah. of a song um, it's, it's a it's a little bit of Adam's family. It's got a little bit of that in there. A little mm -hmm, bit of, a little bit of there, but little monsters, yeah, and just like, yeah, little monsters, uh, uh, little, but, little monsters. Yeah, oh yeah, it's, that's monsters. I was thinking monsters. You're yeah, right. yeah, it's, uh, it's the monsters. Yeah, but that I love that. That's what like went viral from episode seven. Was Honestly, like, it's, it's Agatha all along. It's uh, it's it's partially because of the reveal, but looking at the yeah. reveal, it is very sort of cheesy and silly. Um, part I think uh, part, what I love about it, right? It is. <laughs> Catherine Hahn has been consistently good, like everyone else in this show. You know, amazing. She had her moment, right, as the big reveal where she's like, "My name is not actually Agnes; it's Agatha Harkness." And it's like, "Oh, yeah. very, very clever." But the re <laughs> she's singing her ass off in this camp high energy, just like celebration <laughs> of all the messed up villainy she's been doing in the background. And the introduction, it's just like, oh, when Wanda first showed up here, I made it black and white. And she's so silly, she fell for it. And it's just, it's, 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 it's almost petty, right? That's almost, it's that thing that makes really compelling villains fun, as dastardly yeah. as their plans are. Yeah. They truly get delight in being tee hee 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 hee. Well, like, I, I killed the dog. Like she <laughs> even like admits to that. You know, and that sort of, it's played for laughs at the end of WandaVision's seventh episode before the post credit scene where we see that Pietro um, is going to, I don't know, he's going to challenge Monica for a fight maybe. But that same energy that's in Agatha all along is what immediately brings us into episode eight where we get that flashback to the 17th century in Salem, Massachusetts with Agatha who has, listen, the show's like, no, no, no. When we say witch, we mean witch, witch, like yeah, yeah, witch, yeah. witch with a capital H in the front. Um, and you see her, um, goodness, being what uh, at first appears to be like a burning at the stake, but it eventually, what's, you know, establishes being, um, she's being put on trial by yeah. her mother's coven, who it's not explained what it is that she did wrong, but they're like, oh, you have transgressed against your sisters and now you must die for it. It's very similar to Mads Mikkelsen doing it in Doctor Strange, where he is practicing the dark magic that you're not allowed to do. I had not even considered that. Yeah. yeah, yeah Which yeah, also yeah. is a big connection to the fact that people have noticed a possible Easter egg of the a book in Agatha's little basement world uh, resembles a missing book in Doctor Strange's world mm. of the of the uh, the the no no textbooks. There, everyone was really insistent on being like, "Oh, it's the Darkhold from Agents of Shield," and it's like, "Listen, I know you like Agents of Shield, but we might really have to have a conversation about how certain <laughs> things that happened in the past just aren't spoken about anymore." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this most recent episode does get a little bit more into goodness. Actually, before I get into that, I want to just like hit. Agatha, right? Her mother's like, listen, you can't do this. And Agatha's like, I can be good if you just teach me, right? That's the thing that really jumped out at me about that episode. 
she lets on that like whatever she did is messed up. She yeah. has a power that apparently sets her apart from her fellow witches and whatever it is about her, rather than trying to help her control it, they're like, well, you've used this to hurt a bunch of people. And so we have to take you out. And when they're, you know, when she's on the stake, what they're, you know, she, she, it's, 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 it's curious to wonder whether or not she's acting, whether or not Agatha has always had a flair for the dramatic this way. And her right. mom's like, here she, here she go again, trying this shit. Um, <laughs> because her mom is like, no, you can't be good. Um, and she, when she moves to finally take her out after Agatha, whatever the witches are doing to her, Agatha is able to turn it on the other witches and turn it almost into like a draining spell where she leaves a bunch of them dead. Her mom comes at her with more of the same energy, but this, a crown like manifestation, like pops up around yeah. her head. Right. And it's like, oh, we're not just doing we're not just being like, oh, they're witches. We're building out a whole new chunk of Marvel lore around this particular kind of magic that is distinct from, you know, the Doctor Strange magic um, that has a lot of significance with, you know, a lot of the Scarlet Witches imagery. Yeah, they, they, they've, they've, they've stuck with like a color scheme, kind of a, a, a it's, theme. It's a lot of jewel tones. <laughs> a lot of jewel tones. Uh, you know, it's Doctor Strange and all of his school of magic has that yellow glow and everything to it. And, and when he uh, uses a time stone, it's green. Yeah. It's green. Yeah. Um, so then episode eight goes further into Wanda and WandaVision's uh, origin story and goes back to uh, Wanda's first interaction with Stark military tech. And Agatha insinuates that a bomb that, you know, landed in her living room and, uh, you know, uh, a bomb prior to that killed her parents. And then another one lands in her living room with her and Pietro hiding on her table could have been Wanda uh, performing latent you know witch powers from the get-go and using hex magic oh to, no no it's not know. it's not a could have like agatha's pretty explicit she's like no no, yeah, no. Yeah, the yeah. reason the reason that i came here to westview right the reason i was drawn to you is like you've been pulling off magic that it takes witches hundreds of years to learn how to do on a small scale and you're doing it not subconsciously but like with little effort and no understanding of magic whatsoever and when yeah. she's walking her through when she's walking when agatha's walking wanda through her mind what she's focusing on is moments from her past where she was displaying magic before. And I think like what's really important to note is like, this is all a lot of it rather is before she was ever exposed to the infinity stone. Um, when she is watching that same Stark bomb that she first mentioned, you know, many movies ago, um, Agatha's like, the only reason that that thing didn't go off is you little girl were pulling off a probability hex, which is a nod to mm -hmm. the Scarlet Witch's OG powers where she could just make things go wrong by adjusting probabilities yeah. around her. And Agatha's like, yeah, no, how, how? Like you are like, basically she's, she's almost calling her like a podunk backwater witch um, who has no right having all of this power. And the reason that she's walking her through her mind is because she wants to figure out how. Everyone, you know, I personally, we all assume that it was, you know, because of the reality or no, the Mind Stone. Um, it's like, yeah, it's an Infinity Stone. If you touch it, you're going to get something weird. It's happened to a lot of other people like Captain Marvel and uh, Star-Lord, you know, who all got juiced up by these things. Um, but what yep. you see in all of these scenes from Wanda's past, um, well, yeah, you know, the next uh, that it brings her to uh, is the moment that she was first exposed to the stone. And what you see is like, the stone is definitely important to Wanda, but Wanda's whole deal is much bigger and connected to her in a way that, you know, has little to do with the stone itself. Um, those, you know, the experiments that Strucker did, all it really was was her going into the room with Loki's scepter and everyone was like, well, everyone else died. Let's see what happens with this one. Um, and what happens is, goodness, Wanda, 
witnesses, Loki's staff reacting to her, the whole thing just breaks down. You know, rather, the, the shell around the Mind Stone breaks down, which remember, like remember back in Age of Ultron, it took them forever to figure out how to get that thing open. You know, they were really like, what is it? What is it? Tink, tink, tink. The thing flies to her, opens up, reveals the Mind Stone to her, and <laughs> in a vision, she sees what appears to be herself, or rather, a woman who looks very much like um, your classic Scarlet Witch with the full headdress, um, a pair of pants, a sensible suit, coat, um, <laughs> rather dramatic, yeah. you know, the witchy side of Carmen Sandiego. Um, and then she passes out. And we're led to believe that that's the moment where she starts to manifest the red energy. Um, what's, yeah. What was really cool is like, uh, you see that the Hydra people were watching her. Um, but even then, Wanda, because she had really grown up loving sitcoms, right? We didn't talk about like she loves sitcoms so much because that's selling DVDs is what her father did. And they used to bond over watching them together as a family. Her deep and powerful connection to TV is something that goes way back. And you see her interacting with TVs um, in a very sort of like WandaVision way, pre-WandaVision. Um, the Hydra people don't actually see whatever vision it is that she witnesses. There's a blip in the footage and they can't explain it. They just see her pass out and they're like, oh, well, maybe she's dead. She lives, but they don't know what she's seen. And at the time, she doesn't understand it either. And it's unclear yeah. whether Agatha gets it. Well, Agatha kind of puts it, I think, in simplistic terms, it's easy for the audience to understand where she uh, explains that Wanda had this witchiness in her from the get-go and the Mind Stone it poured the gas onto something that could have died on the vine. Right, right, um, right. Which then, to, we gotta wrap this We're up gonna, so, yeah, we, can, so yeah. we can get to it. Uh, but yeah. in the end, you know, Wanda created the hex the way that we all figure Wanda did through sadness mm -hmm. and connection to vision. Um, we get a few revelations that are gonna need to be resolved in the, in the finale uh, yeah. quite quickly. One of which is um, Wanda didn't steal Vision. Uh, no, he was, was a, a, lie. a total bastard and made that up. Um, Wanda made another Vision, which mm. that's going to need to be figured out. So she didn't just make two babies; she made also a husband. Um, and then that uh, Agatha goes, you know, full uh, Hogwarts uh, teacher on her at the end, and uh, we Agatha is literally holding her children on chains. These these children that were created by magic mm. and calls out that uh, Wanda is specifically a foretold individual that utilizes a very specific kind of magic called chaos magic and that she is the Scarlet Witch. And it's the first time we finally hear somebody call her Scarlet Witch and it's amazing. We finally hear it. And, you know, there's that one line that Iron Man has where he calls her a witch and it's kind of like, okay, sure, sure, sure. But this is like, no, 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 the Scarlet Witch isn't a code name. It's a title. It's a title yeah. that comes along with witchcraft. Um, the thing that came to my mind was uh, American Horror Story, Coven, when they were like, well, there's one Supreme born into every generation. And when one there comes, you. the other one dies. Um, Agatha, between the between the, the the heck, no, not the hex, the crown that you see in the beginning of the episode with Agatha's mom. And yeah. then the vision that Wanda has, it very much seems like Agatha's just pressed that she wasn't chosen to be the Scarlet Witch. And now she's just been out here biding her time trying to figure out who the one is going to be. And it just so happens to be Wanda. Right. Um, so we're going to get a nice uh, battle out of that, I'm sure. Yeah. And then there was a post-credit scene um, that, that gave me the tingles as well because uh, it shows that Hayward not only successfully rebuilt a vision, but that this vision is going to reflect a rebuilt vision from the comics. The white vision, is, yeah. Yeah, devoid of the personality and humanity of you know our Paul Bettany version of vision. 
and he's white and lifeless, but uh, is uh, we, we're going to get some vision on vision action because he's they're going to throw in their weapon, the, their new, you know, uh, rebuilt vision. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's going to, you know, and they still have teased cameos in the final episode um, and, and they've got a lot to uh, to wrap up and and put out into the world. So uh, we're excited to see what's going to happen with that on Friday. Um, and we are definitely going to be doing a full um, like spoiler cast wrap up episode um, a week after um, the finale airs. Yeah. So um, the, we're, we're putting this out here, this bonus episode for a little recap to to kind of just have some fun. Um, and then we will uh, be back a week later from the finale this Friday for our other Friday episode um, for a full season recap kind of thing. Yeah. So that brings this episode of The Real Canon to a close. Again, we'll be back this Friday with a regular episode, a full episode that's all about Pokemon. So if you aren't subscribed, be sure to do that and don't miss out. And be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram, as always, at Real Canon Pod. And thank you for joining us for this bonus fun-filled episode. Yeah, folks, get ready, get hyped, and we'll be back soon with more of The Real Canon. Peace.